This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. They have over 150 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets, we are Star Trek. This is Robert O'Reilly, Chancellor Garon, on Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Glory to you and your house. From Northeast Trekcon in eastern New York, Albany to be specific, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star, Star Trek, Star Trek podcast? This is a Star Trek podcast. Last time it? I checked. Yeah, this and your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. It's so great to be here. We are on site at this fabulous Star Trek convention, and by we, of course, I do mean my co-host and I. He is better than any alarm clock on the planet, let me tell you this. If you need to wake up in the middle of the night, he's your guy. And uh, if you listen all the way through the outtake, you'll probably get some insight into that. But he's the largely unmutable Dan Davidson. And Dan, welcome to Albany. It is great to be at Albany. My first visit ever to Albany, to be uh, to be honest with you, Bill. Mine too. Excellent. All right. Well, we have share something in common. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be here. We've had an awesome time here this weekend at Northeast TrekCon. Met some great people. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to coming back here. I'm not going to lie. This has been a wonderful event. I'm so glad that they uh, they were thoughtful enough to invite us. Everybody here has been fantastic. the uh, The programming has been great. There's an entire science track in mm-hmm. its own room with uh, with scientists and astronauts and, right. and all kinds of people talking about real real world science, which has been amazing. I would never even attempt to say that because I would have not gotten it out right either. Uh, half the stuff you said in the fansets <laughs> promo at the top of the show, I was amazed you were able to get out. <laughs> it's because it's early. And, um, yeah, <laughs> but, but I will say, I'm very happy to be here today to talk about the topic that we're going to be talking about, talking about the topic we're talking about. I like that. See, I didn't screw that up either. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> well, you didn't really screw it up, but you didn't really plan it that way either. Did <laughs> no, you? I didn't. No. no, as everybody knows who listens to the show and who are sports fans, the World Series is taking place right now. As we record, my beloved Boston Red Sox are one win away from another championship. So we thought it would be perfect to talk about Deep Space Nine's Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite today. Baseball-centric uh, episode. A lot of great stuff to talk about. And it's the perfect setting here at Northeast TrekCon to talk about it. Yeah, it's funny because um, Max Kredenchik is here mm-hmm. this weekend along with uh, Garrett Wong and a whole bunch of other people. But 
Max, obviously, uh, in Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, plays a pivotal role in the episode. Mm-hmm. And you and he got to bond over baseball, which was fantastic. It was amazing. It was um, Friday afternoon. It had uh, The con had not really picked up yet. It had just started. So people were at their tables, and Max was over there. So I went over with my Deep Space, Space Nine poster that you guys... I knew it would happen eventually. Deep Space? Yes. And yeah. uh, I went over there and uh, got his autograph and then was able to talk to him for almost 40 minutes one-on-one without interruption about a variety of things. He's a huge baseball fan. He actually was a great and is a great baseball player. And he used to, uh, uh, well, he is a Mets fan and he was actually at the World Series Game 6 between the Boston Red Sox and New York Mets in 1986 when that ball dribbled between Bill Buckner's legs. He was there. (sighs) It gets by Buckner. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Can be quiet. Yeah, yeah. Carter scores and the Mets win it. Blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it well. Yes. Unfortunately, it was yep. it was thirty two years ago, but I remember it like it was thirty two years ago. Yeah, exactly. And he was he was fantastic to talk to. A great guy. As are all the cast members that we've had the chance to talk to here this weekend. Uh, but uh, take me out to the Hollow Suite is is uh, a fun episode. Uh, I actually mentioned the fancy Dan that uh, Esri did to Nicole DeBoer yesterday when I talked to her. So that was kind of cool. So I'm looking forward to the discussion. You are a fancy Dan. I meant to introduce you that way, but I haven't had enough coffee. I apologize. And, and you were woken up several times. <laughs> really? By who? <laughs> no idea. No idea. Uh, Dan, um, you may want to wake up other people and have them send us some comments, messages, concerns, uh, haiku that they could recite in the middle of the night. Wow. Uh, how might they get those messages to us, Munfer? Well, it is so easy to get in touch with us. Just head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a variety of ways to get in touch with Bill, with me, or both of us at the very same time. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and type out a personalized message. Or you can just click on the big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a message with your very own voice using SpeakPipe. Or somebody else's voice. That would, Wow. So, yeah, anyway, can I do the rest of the spot? Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, don't forget also the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Trek Geeks Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk and your Trek picks as well as your Trek love over to the site and join about 1,100 other friends to talk about all things Trek. Also, every Friday, it is the Friday Commute Celebration where Bill and I will do our w- weekly lip sync especially for our campers. To join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to take part in a truly wonderful social experience. And as we say every week, we can't thank our wonderful admins enough. Heather, Jackie, and Dan, thank you so much for all the amazing work you do running the camp. But please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. That that actually sounded really cool. I liked live. It. I liked that. I've never been in the same room where you've done that that well. This is the third time only that we've recorded face to face. It is, and um, it's not something I want to repeat very often <laughs> because uh, that means we've probably you know had to travel somewhere together. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I would also like to point out that neither Heather, Jackie, nor Dan have ever woken me up in the middle of the night, so they are already light years ahead of you. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. No, no, you can. No, I'm sorry. Okay, let's start over again. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
<laughs> Just start with the dun, 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 dun. spanning the Alpha Quadrant dun, 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 dun. for all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. Dun, 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 dun. It's treknews.net. Online at treknews.net. And Dan, up first, we're going to talk a little Star Trek Discovery. Mm. Perhaps it's a little show you've heard of. What? Who? Yeah, uh, Discovery. It's this thing on CBS All Access. Uh, season two's coming up. That kind of deal. Huh. All well, maybe right. this will remind you. Uh, there's a new pic of Chancellor Laurel, and uh, an answer as to why the Klingons were bald in season one and not in season two. Right. Yes, now I do remember. Uh, you know, we said many times that here at Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek that we trust the incredible writers over at Discovery. We like what they're doing. We love what they're doing. Things got explained a little bit, uh, and at New York Comic-Con, Mary Chifo explained that during the time period of season one and in times of war, the Klingons shaved their heads and let it grow back in times of peace by telling the story of how Kalis cut his own hair off to create the first Batleth when battling his brother Molor. Because, yeah, Mary Mary's not invested in, uh, in Klingon lore or Star Trek at all. <laughs> not, right? a, not, a, not an ounce. Yeah. Um, and it, it was great. that she, I love the fact that she has that, that um, knowledge about, about uh, the race that she plays on the show. And I think it's really great that she was taking the time to talk about that. It's really cool stuff. And, and um, there's a new pick. Or a new picture, I should say. Uh, pick is my shorthand in, on my notes, so it's sorry. What all, it's what all the kids say these days. That, that's true, yes. Uh, Chancellor Lorel, uh, this picture was released at Destination Star Trek last weekend, and it shows a very strong-looking Lorel wearing an amazing gold dress with the unified Klingon album emblem on her belt. This is going to be a great day, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's stop. Unified Klingon album. Album. Is that yeah. like We Are the World? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice. Yeah, um, and... Um, uh, now, I, I forgot where I was, but uh, the other thing that was cool is she had Klingon ridges that we're used to in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, she had a full head of hair, which was kind of amazing. And as Mary herself stated, Klingon cleavage, I got to say, Bill, with a K, um, because we love that all so much. That was a direct quote of hers, so that was kind of cool. Um, and I got to say, she looks glorious. Uh, really, really great. And I'm, I'm very interested to see where her storyline goes in season two. I think it's going to be quite fascinating because she's got uh, far more responsibility than she ever truly cared to have. Mm-hmm. And now the entire direction of all 24 Klingon houses you know, is in her hands. Yes. Uh, her hands, which also hold a detonator. I'm just throwing that out there. Yes. So um, I, I think season two is going to be fantastic. It's setting up some great stuff, um, some very Star Trek stuff. It's a much different tone than the war in season one. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I do love what they have done with the with the um, progression of the Klingon look, and as we said, that explanation will be very interesting to see because they do look TNG-ish to me, uh, contrary to some other people's opinions. We know there are some Canadians to whom they don't look eh? very TNG, right? Eh? Um, but uh, as far as we're concerned, they do. So, Dan, moving on, we talked last week about the world premiere of the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind. Yes. And there are some uh, some small bits of news trickling out about it. We don't want to give away any spoilers, but there is one thing that stood out regarding what we can expect to see in the doc. I, I cannot wait for I mean, it's I can't wait for this doc. It is, it's going to be truly amazing, and people that we've talked to said it's absolutely wonderful. And as many people know, the documentary 
is going to tackle what season eight would have been like had they continued with the series. And in this theatrical season, which we have a theoretical season, I did it again. The theoretical season. Um, it's it's very theatrical. It's very it's a theatrical theoretical season. Um, we don't have any details about what this is going to be about, mind you. I should, I should say we don't know what it is. But um, one thing that was released at Destination Star Trek last weekend was a new starship for this season eight. It's designed by John Eaves, whose work is just amazeballs. And this new ship boasts four warp nacelles. It's super sleek and has some really nice Enterprise-E and Enterprise-NX-01 elements to it. It's named the USS Emmett Till, named after the young African-American that was lynched in Mississippi back in 1955 and whose death and attackers' acquittals became a rallying cry for the civil rights movement. So that's very, very cool. And what also is very cool is that Eagle Moss has announced that they will be releasing a physical version of this ship to add to your and my collection. (laughs) That's really the key thing there. Uh, We're going to be able to own this ship, and that's really the cool news. I I love the fact that they've given the the ship the name it has. I think Mm -hmm. that's very important. Uh, I want to go back to something you said about the ship, and you said it was, quote, amaze balls, end quote. Um, I'm a little concerned that you've become a 17-year-old. As we found out this weekend at Northeast TrekCon, we have young listeners now, Bill. We we may always have had young listeners, and I'm just trying to fit in. I'm like Hermie the Elf. There's so many directions I can take that. (laughs) None of them fit for this podcast. But let's talk about that for a second. It's not part of news, but let's tangent for a minute. So the first day we're here on site in Albany, um, I was away from the table and you said, uh, hey, you need to get back here because we have a visitor. And uh, so why don't you set up the rest of that story sure. and we'll come in and, and we'll we'll talk about uh, yeah. what came of it. Okay. So yeah, we're finishing setting up our table and Bill had stepped away like, I, like he said. And uh, this gentleman comes over with this, this young girl and uh, they introduce themselves and, and we shake hands and, and the father says, okay, go ahead, show. And she had drawn fan art for Trek Geeks. Seriously. Yeah, no, she came over with a, with the drawing that she had done on yep. the way to the con mm-hmm. in, in the car. Yeah, she started listening to Trek Geeks on the way up. They mm-hmm. listened to last week's episode, Bride of Chaotica. She's a huge Voyager fan. First of all, her name is Emily. She's just the most wonderful person in the world. Um, and she was just excited to meet us, and she wanted to give us this picture. It was a picture. Uh, she drew our logo. And uh, and and uh, and signed it and said it was for Bill and Dan and and gave it to us and we were both speechless, literally speechless. Still kind of am. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in really, a great way. It's really amazing. So we hung it up behind us all weekend long here at the con. We're gonna frame that. And Bill, as you are the creator of the Trek Geeks podcast, I want you to proudly display that in your office at home. And uh, we can't be more happy with, with meeting these these people who listen to us on a weekly basis, just talk about Star Trek because we love it so much. And it's it, it's a little scary that we, we could be influencing uh, young people, Phil. Yeah, um, I, I don't think we ever anticipated that we could actually have influence on young humans. Yeah, it's really amazing. Uh, or really any species. But um, So you gave Emily a, a task. I did. You gave her homework. Yes. And you asked her to think of what episode she would want us to talk about on Trek Geeks. Mm-hmm. And then she came back to us an hour later. I mean, right. you, you told her to think about it, let us know, yep. take some time. Yeah, she took about uh, 45 minutes. Right. I'd say, yeah, 45 minutes to an hour. And, uh, and she came back with what episode? Well, she loves the killing game. 
as do we. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in Emily's honor, uh, coming up at some point uh, in our broadcasts, we are going to deep dive into the killing game. It should be a great discussion. And the other piece of homework that we gave her, and I believe you actually gave her this this task, Bill, I did. was... She has to watch The Killing Game again, and then she has to go to our website and click on that big blue button over on the right-hand side and send us a voice voice message using SpeakPipe about why she likes The Killing Game and why she wanted us to talk about it. So that's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Looking forward to it, and um, I, I look forward to hearing her perspective on it because it's. Uh, I'm sure we each have different reasons why we like it, mm-hmm. which we'll go into ad nauseum on the podcast. Right. But it's, it's going to be great to have her perspective. So uh, special guest geek for, for a voicemail message. I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, we can't thank her dad, Mike, for introducing us to her. And Emily, you were fantastic to talk to. And thank you for listening. And we welcome you to the Star Trek family because it's a lot of fun. And more importantly, keep watching Trek. Absolutely. You know? Yep. It's a, It was one of the highlights of our weekend by far. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't wait to hang that up in my home. As soon as I do, I'm going to post a photo of it online. Beautiful. Awesome. Dan, lastly, in other Star Trek news, there have been hints at a possible animated series for a while, and now it's no longer just a rumor. It is not a rumor. Just this week, CBS All Access announced that they have ordered two seasons of a new half-hour animated comedy series called Star Trek Lower Decks. This show will be developed by Rick and Morty writer Mike McMahon. Mike McMahon? Mike McMahon? Mike McMahon? The man. He's the man. Anyway, uh, the series will focus on the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships. Very, very interesting. It's going to be produced by CBS iAnimation Productions, CBS Television Studios' new animation arm, along with Alex Kurtzman's Secret Hideout and Roddenberry Entertainment. Very interesting there. Um, Kurtzman and Heather Caden will executive produce the series along with Roddenberry Entertainment's Rod Roddenberry and Trevor Roth, as well as Katie Krentz. So very interesting news. We will see what happens with a comedic animated series about the least important starship in Starfleet. Now, I have to say, no starship is the least important in Starfleet. You don't know that, though. They're all important, Bill. <laughs> you know, you don't know that. So, <laughs> well, so maybe the USS Bill Smith isn't important. <laughs> yeah, the USS Trek geeks. Yeah, <laughs> um, this kind of strikes me as the Orville, the animated series. Because <laughs> isn't the Orville like one of the least important ships in that that universe? I don't know. I haven't watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, spoiler alert! It is okay. The guy was nobody's first choice to be captain. You know. <laughs> so these are people who peeled potatoes on the least important ship in the Federation. <laughs> Um, and comedy ensues. Yeah. So the USS Spud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This kind of sounds a lot like the Orville. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, I, I really have no opinion. Um, it could be great. It, it could not be great. No. I'm going to wait and see because um, I don't know what it's going to be yet. Right. And I wish everybody would adopt that mindset. We will see what happens. Um, you know, we, we've been skeptical of things in the past and they've turned out to be great and other things have turned out to not be great. So, well, more importantly, we've been skeptical of things in the past and we've been wrong. Exactly. We can say that because, um, we're Mm grownups or, well, we're, we've, we're past the age of majority. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, so we're going to wait and see. Um, it could be great. Um, it, it, I guess it all depends. Right. I'm more psyched for the Picard series than I necessarily am an animated series that's comedic. I I can agree with that. Um, who knows? Once that first trailer comes out, though, 
We'll see what happens. It was, I'll say one thing. It was fun to watch social media after that announcement. <laughs> there, it's like the, the collective heads of, of people were exploding. <laughs> comedy? What do you mean? What do you mean comedy? There's no comedy in Star Trek. <laughs> and then I just took the opportunity to tweet out a photo from The Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> Very nice. I wanted to poke the bear a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. It's okay. So, um, yeah, coming to an all-access near you, or a mostly all-access. If you're going to pay the six bucks. If you're going to pay the six bucks. Yeah. yeah. So, Bill, as this episode drops, we are just about to turn the calendar to November. And you know what that means, buddy? That means new fan sets pins. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's funny. I expected somewhat uh, more animated of a, of a cheer for that, kind of like you do in the middle of the night during baseball. Uh, it absolutely does mean that, Dan. I mean, as you know, Fansets is proud to release two pins a month. And for November 2018, it is an all-starship release, which I think is really exciting. First up, on November 1st, we're headed back to Enterprise Season 3 for the Zindi Aquatic Starship. I think that's going to be really exciting. Mm. I don't think the aquatics have gotten the respect they deserve from the un- other Zindi species. And honestly, I, for one, that Fansets has stood up to recognize this special group of water breathers. <laughs> Unlike you, who is a mouth breather. Uh, <laughs> all right, seriously, but later on, uh, on November 15th, the Kelvin Timeline Enterprise will be available to add to your fansets collection. And Dan, I can pretty much guarantee you that this will be the model from before the events of Star Trek Beyond. Really? Yeah, it's, it, I said that, that's how I always say the name. No, it, it would be, never mind. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, uh, you know, in all honesty, I've been waiting for the Kelvin Enterprise for a long time, and I cannot wait to get my little grubby grubbies on it. It's going to be fantastic. Love it. I, I know. Grubby, I'm sorry. Let's unpack this for a second. Young listeners. Grubby grubbies? Grubby grubbies. You never heard that phrase before? No. All right. Well, let's get back to the spot. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to the two new releases, um, we are very happy to say that as a special bonus for our Trek Geek listeners, if you want to receive 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week, just head right on over to fansets.com and enter the code word SOLOK at checkout, that's S-O-L-O-K. That's our favorite Vulcan from this week's episode, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. You want to use all caps with no spaces, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. This code is going to be available until midnight on Monday, November 5th, so don't delay. Fansets is pinpoint accuracy, and we thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. Dan, as the World Series churns on, we stop to consider... Probably the the most baseball-centric episode of Star Trek, and that is Deep Space Nine Season 7 outing. Take me out to the Hollow Suites. Uh, it's a fitting episode for this week. It's a it's a great, you know, uh, episode with comedic elements along the lines of, say, Trouble with Tribbles or, you know, uh, even Bride of Chaotica, which is very lighthearted, you know, which we, we did last week. But Hollow Suite definitely is one that just kind of makes you smile. Very much so. And as we talked about the last time, we talked about a comedic episode or one that doesn't really follow any type of arc that's going on. It's a great break from something that's going on, you know, with the Dominion War taking place. It's really great to have something like this to relax and enjoy instead of the tenseness of the of the Jem'Hadar and the Founders and the Vorta and, and you. So it's really great that we have this this week. 
to talk about and that they had this in season seven to break up the monotony. And it's it's definitely deep within the bowels of this war because the reason that Solok's ship is at DS9 is because they need repairs from all of the uh, fighting on the front lines that they've been doing, which Solok definitely lets Cisco know about. This is one of the things that, that, that Deep Space Nine did really well. They injected standalone episodes into the middle of this Dominion War arc to not make it all war all the time. And I think that was really important in architecting season seven. Mm-hmm. You know, you have an episode that you don't need to know anything about. In right. fact, you could not know about the Dominion or the war at all. And this episode works perfectly. You right. can pluck it out and see it outside of the arc of the of the other stories. And it, it still makes sense, which I think is the best part about this. It is. It is. It's really great. Um, the, the, the writers do a great job of being able to take you out of that atmosphere for a period of time but then they put you right back into it and and i don't mean that in a negative way i just mean it in a way that it, it works with something that goes on i will say one thing bill this is completely off topic of what we were just talking about but as we were doing notes this week do you know how many times i wrote that the starship name was the takuvma <laughs> <laughs> takuma, takuma. instead of the takumbra <laughs> Which it was. So these names just, they, they play with your mind, man. They really do. And I just wanted to put that out there right away. Takuma, Takuma, Kalish. We say that as Brandon Shamutala walks by. I think he thinks we're calling him. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> Don't interrupt the podcast, man. <laughs> There's magic happening over here. <laughs> so... So why don't, you, why don't you walk us through how this whole game starts? Because this is, to say this is a rivalry Ugh. is a bit of an understatement, but it tells us something about Benjamin Sisko, which we'll talk about after you right. you talk about the genesis of this. Well, what happens is um, Captain Solok shows up at Deep Space Nine, the captain of the USS Tacumbra, and he needs repairs. And he walks into Sisko's office and is smug and is kind of a jerk face. Um, like you? Yeah. And... As he's finishing up with what he needs for repairs of the starship, and as he's goading Cisco the entire time, and Cisco, you can see his the veins in his forehead popping out, and his blood pressure is just going through the roof. Um, he says, "Oh, by the way, I also want use of a hollow suite because I have this game that I want to play, an Earth game." And Cisco says, "What kind of game is that?" And then all of a sudden, he calls everybody into the wardroom to say that they're going to be taking on the Vulcans in a game of baseball, which is Cisco's passion. And he is completely obsessed with beating the Vulcans in this game because he don't like Solok, yo. Did you just drop a yo? Young audience. <laughs> I'm a little concerned that now you have this as a focus, that we're going to be programming for, uh, for Y7. Wait, wait a second. Ratings. For all the news on all the Star Trek, yo? That's different. That's because That's I'm, different. I'm totally street. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, just look at me, right? <laughs> so, with Solok, we have we've kind of an interesting Vulcan, and I know that this is something that's really bothered you in the yes. past because he is a Vulcan that seems like he holds a grudge. Oh, I think he holds more than a grudge. I think he's just a. <laughs> d- <laughs> okay, well, let's bleep that one. <laughs> um, it, it's amazing. Now that we have gone through all of the shows, we've gone through Deep Space Nine and Enterprise, we didn't know this at the time, but Solok is a perfect example of the issues that I have with the Vulcans in Enterprise, even though they're a hundred years in the past, different, they may not have, you know, you know, have the logic 
uh, as as much in their vein, so to speak, as they do in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine times. But I really did not like the way that they portrayed the Vulcans in this episode. We weren't used to, we hadn't seen the Enterprise Vulcans yet. So this was like, this is not a Vulcan. This is a guy who's bragging about his second medal uh, for the Christopher Pike Award that he received. And he's got a superiority complex and he's insulting. And I just, I found it very odd to see something like this. We, we know that Vulcans, you know, they're, they're straight. You know, they don't, you know, Spock, you know, we know what Vulcans are like. This was very un-Vulcan-like to me. I'm not sure what you thought about it. I think there are two different levels of obsession here. And, and I think they are outright obsessions. I mean, there, there's Benjamin Sisko's obsession, which I think is probably the truest painting of what he really is obsessed about. You know, we've talked about other episodes, especially during the Eddington arc, where he seemed to be obsessed with Eddington. And I think he was more obsessed with justice and, and defending the Starfleet uniform. But it was all tactical. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a purpose for what Cisco was doing. That's not true with baseball. He just has baseball in his heart, and it's his passion. And this is the thing he probably truly obsesses over. Kind of like the way we obsess about Star Trek. Yes. And he's got that going for him in this episode. But Solok, I think, is obsessed with Cisco. Uh, and I think that he demonstrates that just to, to tweak him and to prod him and to sort of escalate that situation with Cisco. And that's, I agree, that's very un-Vulcan. Yep. Vulcans don't hold grudges. Vulcans don't engage in those type of things because they're not logical. Right. I think it, all st- and it, it obviously all started from the encounter that they had at the bar back when Ben was at the academy. Um, how many papers did Ben say that, that Solak wrote about that event? Like seven yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. That's definite obsession. Um, and it's it's very unlike what we're used to seeing with the Vulcans. Now, I think it I think it works to make it more of a comedic arc to the episode if you want to step back a little bit and not just be so focused or obsessed with how the Vulcans look in this episode. So I'm not going to be like Cisco or Solok. I'm going to step back. Um, but uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was interesting to see. I, I really did appreciate that story that Ben told and the way he told it. He wanted to take that bat and just like smash through his, his, uh, his furniture and everything in his quarters when he was telling Cassidy about what had happened between the two. I thought that was very interesting. And when you talk about the obsession that Ben has with with baseball and beating Solok, it's amazing how he changes when he's on the holodeck. He is so, you never see him running and, and chewing gum like that and, and hooting and hollering and, and having a great time and using the vernacular and the slang of baseball from, from the 20th century. And, and as I'm sure we're going to get into later on, how he treats members of the crew when he's had enough because his obsession is so powerful and he knows that he's going to get beat if he doesn't do something. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that, uh, going back to Solok for a second, I think that Cisco needed a foil. Cisco needed somebody to have a conflict with. And I think it makes it slightly more interesting if it's an alien. Mm-hmm. And really, the Vulcans are going to be the only species that work with that because it's not like Tellarites are going to play baseball. <laughs> I mean, they may have had fingers in Enterprise, but normally they don't. <laughs> and I think if they make it just another human Starfleet officer, it doesn't make the conflict anywhere near as interesting. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's make it a ship full of Vulcans. All right, we've seen that in Star Trek before. Yep. Let's make it Vulcans who play baseball. Okay, that doesn't really make sense, but all right, let's go with it for a minute. Yeah. Um, an entire senior staff that likes, or sorry, uh, the, I, well, we use like for one of a better word, that likes playing baseball. Yeah. 
a little outside the realm of possibility, but I understand what Ron Moore was trying to do. Mm -hmm. He was trying to make it a little more Star Trek-ish to take baseball and transplant it into the future. I'd say this isn't just something that humans would be interested in playing. There's probably other alien species that would as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, forget the Pike City Pioneers. I mean, people are probably playing baseball on starships in the holodeck, and I guess that kind of makes sense. So it's still weird to see an all-Vulcan baseball team... uh, Although I did like the fact that their uniforms had Vulcan script for their names as opposed to just, you know, uh, English, which was great. And it took me the longest time to understand that they were called the Logicians. I don't, that blows my mind because, yeah. I mean, it's on the scoreboard, for yeah, God's sake. I never noticed it. Really? Yeah, never noticed it, yeah. And um, one thing, you, you mentioned this a second ago. The Vulcans, you know, for being, you know, IDIC and everything, they're really isolationists when you think about it. The Intrepid and TOS was an all-Vulcan starship. This ship is an all-Vulcan starship. And as Ben pointed out, well, if you don't like it, you can go take your starship to the all-Vulcan starbase about 50 light years away. Yeah, that's something I don't really quite understand. Yeah. Because, I mean, in Enterprise, you know, we have the what the Vulcan Defense Force or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. And VDF. <laughs> VD, VDF. <laughs> and at some point, we know that they, we presume they integrate with Starfleet because there is an all-Vulcan starship, yeah. you know, the Intrepid. And... I don't understand why there's still an all-Vulcan starship in the in the 24th century. I, just, I, I don't get it. It, it makes no sense to me. It makes you wonder, are there all Tellarite ships? Right. Are there all Andorian ships? Maybe mm-hmm. the Shran was an all-Andorian ship in Discovery. That could have been. Huh. But I'll if we're all about that. one big happy fleet, um, mm-hmm. why do the Vulcans have their own starships? Exactly. Because, because they're jerks. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, Solok is, anyway. Maybe that's why it's all-Vulcan. Nobody else would serve with him because he's a big wanker. <laughs> well, nobody aside from uh, a thousand other Vulcans. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. To put them all in the same boat, yeah. literally. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> wow, that was pretty good. Thank you. So it's safe to say that the uh, the baseball abilities of the Deep Space Nine senior staff Oof. are, uh, what's a good word here? Let me come up with one. Uh, non-existent? Awful. Okay, yeah, that's mm, good. Yeah. So Cisco actually thinks that he's going to train up these nine individuals in the course of two weeks to play a bunch of Vulcans who are not only stronger but faster. Yep. Uh, certainly better hand-eye coordination, as is evidenced in the well later on in the first inning of the game <laughs> uh, when it's one hit, one pitch for every batter. Right. Um, but uh, is Cisco out of his mind? Obsession. We saw it with Kirk. Well, we know he's obsessed, but is he even grounded in reality on this? Not at all. No. Not at all. But I think it's something that we have to give a pass in this episode, too, um, because this episode is made to be a fun episode. So, what can you, what can you say? I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna diss it on that. But no, no, it, it, certainly I'm not either. But I mean, it it's the kind of thing that makes you take a step back and go, really, Ben? Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely give it a three. It's not like threat gangly or something like that that we don't know what it's all about. <laughs> but um, and that's a story for another time. But um, it, it, real, yeah. yeah. Who would, in their right mind, think that you taking a bunch of people with only one of the team knows anything about the game, and that's his son? Even the other humans know nothing about baseball. Yeah, Bashir and O'Brien haven't a clue. He doesn't even know what bases loaded is. He says it wrong. I mean, it's just it's hysterical. Bases crowded. Bases crowded, <laughs> and then uh, t- uh, two Ferengi and a two Bajorans and a Klingon who just wants to kill everybody on the field anyway. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he was a little out of his tree. Death of the opposition. <laughs> we will destroy them. Um, so let's talk about Worf. So you know, Cisco's going through what they have going for them. Mm-hmm. And he says, in our secret weapon, Worf. 
What exactly was Worf the secret weapon of? He's I a mean, great first baseman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, because uh, the only thing he was hitting with that bat was lots of air. Did we even see him? That's right. We didn't he struck see out. He never, he never touched the ball. He struck out. He's like the Dodgers. Wow. Oh, ouch. Let's try to keep this in <laughs> yeah. the 24th century, shall we? Um, I'm not exactly sure what Worf was the secret weapon of, um, but I have to say the Bajorans played, played better than the Klingon ever would. I know exactly why he said that. Why? Because Cisco was obsessed with this. And he sees a big, giant Klingon and thinks that he's just going to hit the ball 800 feet, regardless of his skill. That's the obsession. And that's the not thinking logically. That's a, I hadn't considered that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you would think that with uh, as good as Worf is with, you know, shooting view screens and, uh, and using his bat left to stab other Klingons, mm-hmm. he might have been able to figure out how to put a bat on a ball. No. I'm just saying. He's like Jobu in... Uh, um, Major League. Major League, yeah. yeah, yeah you know, or not Jobu, because Jobu's the god, but... Yeah, Pedro yeah. Serrano. Pedro Serrano, thank you. Yeah. Yep, you know, hit curveball. Yeah, well, and of course, Michael Dorn gets to play the baseball player in uh, Far Beyond the Stars. Right. Which is that's, great, too. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Kind of ironic. It is, yeah. Um, so if you were drafting people on your theoretical baseball team in the 24th century, which of the Deep Space Nine crew would you pick first? Oh, I'd pick, I'd pick uh, Ben. Okay. And I'd pick Jake. Okay. Well, for obvious reasons, because right. they know baseball. Let's exactly. say about the other ones. And, you know, assuming that at some point there's going to be a last kid picked, because normally that was you and me. But right. Yes. Um, yeah. Which one of them, which one of the non-baseball playing people would you draft for your team first in your theoretical grudge match against a, a Vulcan captain? Odo. Why Odo? Because Odo is, we talk about obsession. I think Odo would be obsessed with making sure he learns the game, and he would be in the holodeck practicing by himself he did, for however many hours until he needs to regenerate. He gets a task, and he sets his mind to being successful with that task. And he could probably shapeshift into um, David Ortiz or something, and it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, he could he could look like David Ortiz, <laughs> but he would play like uh, doesn't he get Dan the, Davidson? Doesn't he? Get, Hey, hey, doesn't he get the skill of the thing that he shifts into? Well, only if he's a bird. <laughs> if he's a bird. <laughs> if, if he's if he's a shapeshift into Batman, is he going to become a crime fighter? <laughs> That's right. Well, in, in, I would still pick Odo first, though, because I think that um, he he would try his best, and I think he would be successful at it. I really, I really do think he would be. Um, that would be my first choice. What about you? I'm going to go with uh, Dr. Julian Bashir. Okay. Genetically enhanced Dr. Bashir? <laughs> Genetic engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that he would pick up the game faster, mm-hmm. and he might actually do better than some of the other officers. It's a good pick. Officers. I like it. That's, that's my theory. I mean, uh, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, there's also a reason I was the last kid picked every time in gym class, because I'm not exactly uh, an athlete. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, the entire time we're sitting here, Adam's sitting to our left, and buddy, this is how the sausage is made. <laughs> it's something you don't want to see all the time. Oh, you can speak up. That's fine. <laughs> this is, uh, this is a, as entertaining as it gets. No. It's, it's much better to listen to after it's, after it's edited, I assure you. This is why we don't video podcast. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, faces for podcasts, yes. and not necessarily the voices. So, um, so you're a big baseball fan. No. What do you think of this as a baseball game? I it's not the best. No, not at all. There's there's a, there's a lot of 
errors, <laughs> baseball. Um, there's a lot of things in this that are that just don't work. Don't work from a from a from a pure baseball perspective. But it's not meant to be a pure baseball perspective type episode. Um, so again, I'll give it a pass because it's the entertainment factor of this, which is important. But from baseball, there's a lot of things that, that just don't that don't work for me. Um, the first of which being the whole scene with the Vulcan who didn't touch home plate. I was just going to go into that because yeah. uh, in the rules of baseball, as soon as he didn't touch home plate and he left the field of play, you're out. He would be out. Yep. I mean, I understand that it adds a comedic element mm-hmm. for Nog to go through the dugout, tagging each one, going, "Was it this one? Yeah. Was it this one? I mean, that's funny. Right. But I mean, if if we're going to play the rules of the game, Odo, who is you know as the, the most fair arbiter there is, and has apparently memorized the rule book mm-hmm. because he knows exactly which rule and sub rule it is to eject Cisco from the game. Yes. You think he would know that the Vulcan who didn't touch the bag was out? Right. And there's a couple of things that happen during this game that are similar to that, but not as egregious in terms of getting the rules wrong uh, while they're doing the family episode. And but I will say I, I have to I have to say now it would be an error. Back when they filmed it, it wouldn't. The takeout at second base, the slide. Yeah, he was that that was not called interference in today's rule book it would be interference so i'm looking at it today instead of in the late 90s where then it would have been a good it would have been a good slide even well, though it was a bad slide well they could have changed the rules after that exactly again right well that's true because good, major good league point. baseball is often want to do that that's true yeah they want to get rid of the shift anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's more sports ball from trekkie um, so let's talk about cisco because cisco does not put on his best face here no throughout this entire episode mm-hmm. He he commits his staff to doing this, and and then I mean you you referred to the Vulcan captain with a certain uh, adjective earlier, and Cisco is no less a jerk than the Vulcan captain when it comes to Rom. Oh gosh, yeah, he is a complete leaper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when it comes to Rom, and that is very and that shows. His inability to have an open mind and keep things straight in his head with what's going on. He's so obsessed with Solok, and he sees somebody who's struggling with the game. And it's not that he gives him any, you know, positive reinforcement. No, he just is off the team. I mean, that's just completely nuts. I mean, he can't. He's already lost O'Brien from playing. And here's another thing. We'll get back to the whole romp thing in a second. Cisco never does anything. He's just the manager. Why isn't he playing? Why isn't Solok playing? They could have manager players back in the day. I th- with Cisco so obsessed with baseball, I would have thought that he would have been in the game. Well, maybe that was part of their gentleman's agreement, which we didn't necessarily have insight into. Hmm. You know, maybe they said, uh, well, the two of us is, the, you know, probably the best baseball players aren't going to play, but our, our staff will, you know? Mm. I, I who knows? I don't know, sir. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> sir. I, um, I think that... Uh, well, no, no, I think. I, I love the scene later on where Cisco actually has the the moral character to apologize yes. to Rom mm-hmm. because he absolutely owes Rom that apology 100%. I think not only does he owe the apology to Rom, I think he owes it to everybody who was out there giving it their all to do what they could to help him with this obsession. Yes. They he he embarrassed Rom, he embarrassed himself. Um, and it did show a lot of gravitas for him to come back and apologize. And I also think that the scene before his apology, when everybody was at Quark's talking about how they were going to quit the team mm. if Captain Sisko didn't 
fix the situation right. shows how incredible this crew is with one another and how much they consider themselves family. Well, and they stood up for somebody who wasn't a part of the Deep Space Nine crew necessarily. Mm-hmm. They stood up for a, a Ferengi barback. Right. Is what, essentially what we're talking mm-hmm. about. They stood up for the right thing, and that's the, in the finest tradition of Starfleet. It's in the finest tradition of Star Trek, too. It absolutely yeah, is. absolutely. So let's talk about some things you may or may not have known about this episode, Dan. Okay, Bill. Would you be surprised to learn that the Deep Space Niners only commit four errors in this game? <laughs> <laughs> that is That is surprising because there's some... Well, it is surprising because we also get to watch them at practice where it's just awful. The The entire series of uh, of scenes with Rom with the pop fly, I got it, I got it, and then it's behind him, and then he's trying to throw. That's hysterical, But and, and you think that that's, you know, that's not part of the game, so it's, I'm thinking that's an error, but it's not. Only four errors in the game is quite interesting. Also in the box score, would you be surprised to learn that the Deep Space Niners actually managed to have seven yes, hits? Yes, that's incredible as well. <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm going to call BS on that. <laughs> Who would have gotten those hits? <laughs> Maybe Julian. <laughs> Kira? Kira was on base. Kira was on base. Yeah. yeah. Um, Julian, possibly. Yeah. You know, because of the whole genetically engineered thing. True. But other than that, I have no idea. Well, was this National League or American League? Did Jake bat? Uh, great question. Mm. I, I'm going to hope that by the future, uh, we will have done away with the designated hitter. Oh, a DH non-fan. Um, I, I think it's unnecessary. The, the game is baseball. Pitchers are baseball players. They should be forced to bat. Okay. So, again, more sports ball, but that's not what we're trying to do. Right, right. Um, Seven hits. Yeah. Good Lord. Now, would you also be surprised to learn, Dan, that this episode of Deep Space Nine is based on an episode of the TV series Fame that, was, gonna, that was written by Iris Stephen Bear. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> I want to learn how to fly. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's a fourth season episode of Fame called The Old Ball Game. Huh. And um, it, I think it's kind of funny that Ron Moore took something that Ira had done and adapted it for Star Trek in a very Star Trek way. Because, of course, Michael Piller was a huge baseball fan. Yes, absolutely. Yep. You know, a man, I mean, forget the fact that baseball allegedly died out, mm. you know, that we learned in season one. Pike City Pioneers, though. Hello. Well, that's later, though. <laughs> that's you know? true. Came back. Um, but uh, I think it's interesting that there are those ties to this episode to something else that Ira worked on. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Is that all you got? That that's, was, that's all I got. That was insightful. Um, I, I, I do like it's 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 interesting to see that when you have somebody who's doing a show and they have a passion that they will somehow work it in. It's like we were working on like a hospital drama, but yet we brought a Star Trek element into an episode. Yeah. It's not it's not any real different than that. So you know the guy could be bleeding to death, and we're asking for a medical scanner. Right? <laughs> uh, is that person you? I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to dignify that with a <laughs> no, remark? No, no. Let me ask you this. Yeah. You're giving me some interesting trivia. Yeah. Did you know, well, actually you may know because I think we talked about it in the outtake, um, that Max Gredenchik was actually the best baseball player in real life with the people that were involved in this episode yet had to play the worst player in the episode. I did not know that until we started doing our homework for this episode, mm-hmm. honestly. Because um, I I love the way Rom wears his baseball glove. <laughs> backwards? Yeah, backwards. On the wrong hand? It's very Trek Geeks-like. <laughs> uh, everything's backwards with Rom. Um, and Ooh. as... <laughs> Moogie. <laughs> and uh, as, as kind of manufactured as it is, I do love the bunt scene. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's... it's it, it, I get it. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be the... 
the the ending of the episode. It's supposed to you know create the nice heroic moment mm-hmm. that you didn't think was going to happen. Right. But as soon as you see him leaning over, trying to figure out what the bench is trying to tell him what? with the bat in the right position, you know he's laying down a bunt. Yep. Even if he doesn't intend to. Right. And even though he doesn't run right away, he still gets down the first base line. And we've seen Rom run or walk, <laughs> and it's kind of interesting to see that he does get down that line. Yeah, no, that's. I'm not gonna lie, that's a little amazing. I think maybe it was like a 30 foot baseline <laughs> instead of 90 feet. I'm not sure. Well, uh, you know, Vulcans aren't very fast. Oh no, oh, wait, well, they yeah, are. they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're yeah. very fast. Uh, and s- Vulcans aren't very strong. No, yeah, they're, they're, they're strong. Mm, yeah. Strike two, buddy. Anything yeah. else? No, no, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. So Max was the best baseball player, and we talked about the people on the team that were good in the Hollow Suite episode, and Nana seemed to be one who had it all together. She was playing second base or short, I forget, but we saw her on base a couple times. According to the Deep Space Nine companion book, she was actually the worst player in real life. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I guess that says something about how great an actress Nana is. Oh, <laughs> like we needed to be told that. Because uh, uh, I believed it. <laughs> and uh, I think we've established that I'm not that bright. That is that is a concrete foundation part of the Trek Geeks podcast. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's cool about this is this is the only time in Star Trek history that we hear the anthem for the United Federation of Planets. I want to know what the words are. Uh, me too. Okay. <laughs> Adam, you got anything? Nothing. He's looking it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's, of course he is. He's, that's. Uh, I feel like we now have our own intern on the show. That's great. Coffee. Adam, the intern. Yeah, he brought donuts. <laughs> he did. I mean, so we kind of have to give him intern uh, status. Great job, intern. Great job. Um, uh, I forgot where I was going with that's this. That's right. I want to bring up something that I know you want to talk about. Oh, let's do and it. And it's a great topic, and it's one of the things that sometimes can get under your skin, but at other times, maybe not. Kira's uniform, Bill. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, obviously, um, we know that, that Kira's name, Kira, is actually her family name, and Narice is her, her given name at birth. Correct? Correct. So in the scene after Cisco cuts Nog from the team, apparently there are lyrics. Wow. Adam the intern just actually pulled up the lyrics to the Federation Anthem. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, in the scene where uh, Cisco kicks Rom off the team, they're all wearing their uh, their uh, their practice jerseys. Right. They all have their name on them. Mm-hmm. And Bashir's says Bashir. And Worf's says Worf. And O'Brien's says O'Brien. And Kira's says Nerys. Mm-hmm. So hers is the only jersey with her her given name on right. there. Her first name. What really is her first name. Right. Later on in the game, she has two different jerseys. Mm-hmm. One that has uh, two different Niners uniform mm-hmm. jerseys. One that says Norris, and then they fixed the continuity error, and later on in the same game, she's wearing one that says Kira. Here's what I'm going to say happened, because we don't like continuity errors. No. 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 So it's quite possible. This year in Major League Baseball, there was a weekend where they allowed players to have anything on their jersey that they wanted. They could have any name, any nickname, and that's what happened. Kira looked it up in the rule book. She goes, oh... I can have whatever uniform I want. I'm going to do one better, though, Captain Cisco. I'm going to switch my uniform jersey in the middle of the game because I can, because I'm the second in command of the station. Ha! You're such a fanboy apologist. <laughs> <laughs> you just say they got it wrong. Okay, let's just be yeah, honest. Uh, okay. They blew it. Continuity error. They blew it. <laughs> it happens. It doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the episode. Not at all. But watching it, I don't know why I didn't notice it, you know, 20 plus years ago, but it was the first thing I saw when I watched it just uh-huh. the other day. I'm like, oh! Now, trivia, 
Hmm. You know the answer to this. Okay. But uh, in all the years you and I have known each other, this is the very first episode of Star Trek we've ever watched together, and it just happened 48 hours ago. Yep. First time. 25-year friendship, almost four years of doing podcasts about Star Trek episodes, and this is the first time we actually sat down and watched it. And... As with my sports enthusiasm, I think you can say that my enthusiasm for this is kind of up there, too. Uh, I think that's probably the most politically correct way to put it. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that, uh, well, you, send a, you seem to laugh at 140 decibels at just about everything. <laughs> I do. Um, but only when people are trying to hear things, which oh, I think is geez. the most interesting part of it. I, I'm a happy guy. You laugh at all the right points. I will say that. Yes. I mean, I, um, I can't fault you for that. Because every time I look to my left. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. I really do. But no, I thought it was a, it was actually fun to watch an episode it was. together. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, how often we'll do that. I think it'd be actually quite fun because now I know that I need to tone it down for you. <laughs> so it will still be fun. I'll, you know. Well, it's not that you necessarily have to tone it down, but like everything, uh, let's just say the things you do are sometimes larger than life. Mm. How's that? Well, I am kind of a large guy. <laughs> I'm no bichet, but you know. <laughs> well, you mean tall, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. I mean. Yep. I, um, no, it's good to know that you approach Star Trek with the same zeal that you approach, I don't know, cheering for baseball in the middle of the night. It's interesting that you say that because I was thinking about this last night about what we were going to be talking about here and my enthusiasm for what you witnessed last night when we were watching the Red Sox. There is only one thing that is higher on my list that I love more than my Patriots and Red Sox, and it's Star Trek. So you get those two things together. And I'm talking about entertainment. I'm not talking about like real life stuff, like my wife, because she's right there at the top. But nice save. Thank you, thank you. Um, but for entertainment, Star Trek, Patriots, and Red Sox. So you've seen both of them. You seen you seen one of them on a weekly basis, but now you've been you know witness to the second one. You're one of the most animated laughers I've ever seen, and when you start that laugh, it's it's probably at a deafening level. When you find something truly that funny, and you practically tip over in whatever chair you're in. It's I very have, hilarious. I have to thank my father for that, because he's a kicker when he's laughing. He's like kicking and banging the floor with his feet and banging the armchair of the chair when he's laughing. I inherited that, and I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> um, one last little factoid about this episode. Uh, Worf throws left-handed but bats right-handed. But Michael Dorn himself is a lefty. You know, I thought it was weird the way he threw from first base. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very odd, wasn't it? Yeah. It was increasingly I, I wonder odd. if that was done purposefully or not. I think it was uh, probably for the shot. True. I think they wanted yeah. something Camera. that looked better compositionally. Yep. And who cares where the ball landed up because we didn't see it. Right, that's true. I mean, they could just always cut that to another that's thing. That's true. Um, so let's, let's wrap uh, before we talk about our final thoughts on this episode. Let's talk about Odo. Because <laughs> could there be a better umpire? No. He, he is so awesome in this role. One of my favorite parts of this episode, and it's one of the quickest, is when Kira's walking, or Nerys, depending on what you want to say, yeah, yeah. Um, is when she's walking past his office and his doors are closed and he's <laughs> practicing being an umpire. That is why I, one of the reasons why I would pick him as a player. He's determined. He's practicing. He, it's, I love it. I thought it was great. Well, but then you pointed out something to me that I never noticed about his practicing yes. the moves. Mm -hmm. And what was that? When he calls safe, he does it backwards. He goes from the outside in instead of from the inside out when he calls safe. And that would be J.G. Hertzler and Bob O'Reilly, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, anytime you hear something that volume in a room, it's, it's usually J.G. and Bob. Oh, they're funny. We'll have to go talk to him. <laughs> but yeah, he, he literally goes backwards. I never once noticed yep. it. Uh, the year out, I think, was, was fantastic. Yes. 
Yeah, your out is great, but and I didn't notice it until this week when I watched it um, before we watched it together because oh, really? I watched it a few times, and yeah, I'm like, huh, backwards safe sign. That's kind of cool. He does do a safe sign correctly once, but all the other times he, he does the quick inwards move. Interesting. So as you think about this episode in the grand scheme, and we often talk about the pantheon of Star Trek, you know, as the sort of mythical uh, great hall mm-hmm. of uh, of amazing entertainment. Um, where do you place this episode among the more lighter fare in the Star Trek universe? I think it's right up there. I don't think it's the top. I mean, we've got a piece of the action and, and trouble with Tribbles and Bride of Chaotica, which we did last week, was yep. a very fun episode. It's I'd have to think of all the other fun ones, and there are other ones that are fun, but I'd definitely put it in the top ten and possibly the top five once I get that entire list together. It's a fun episode. There's nothing in this episode that is tense. No. Even the obsession with Solok and Solok's obsession with Ben, it's not tense. Even when he's in his in his quarters telling Cassidy about what happened, it's not tense. It's just recollection and something that he doesn't like. So there's nothing about this episode to get you on edge or make you nervous. You don't care who wins the game because you know that the humans are going to lose or the or the Niners. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd put it right up there as a definite one of the best fun, fun ones. I'm going to go out there on a limb and say... I actually enjoy this episode more than I do a piece of the action or the trouble with tribbles, which are usually nice. held up as, you know, the, you know, comedic or lightest episodes of track, mm-hmm. you know, the best ones. For me, this one, I think, resonates more with me. The soundtrack is fantastic. It is. Oh, yeah. It's like watching some old-timey baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, it evokes those feelings of nostalgia and of of, uh, of learning the game for the first time. Right. You know, the, the cast is, or the characters are learning the game for the first mm-hmm. time. And for me, it just it works on every level. Right. It's one that I can watch over and over again and still smile every single yeah. time at the same exact spots. Mm-hmm. You know, the the laugh lines are still 100% funny now, two decades later. Right. It's just, it, it works on every level, and it just makes you feel good, which, you know, a, a lighter episode of Star Trek should do. Let me ask you this, then. Yeah. Do you think it works as much as it does for people who are not baseball fans? That's a great question. I never considered it in that aspect mm-hmm. before. I, I'd i like to think it would because knowledge of baseball isn't fundamental to the episode. Okay. Because the, the characters don't understand baseball. Right. In fact, I think they do a really good job of taking some of those greater concepts in baseball and playing on the confusion. Okay. And making it, you know, a humorous point. Right. Like in the beginning, you know, the very top of the episode when they're going through the uh, the episode credits. Where Nana is reading the infield fly rule as Kira. Yep. <laughs> it's actually a really funny scene because there's no baseball fan on the planet that can understand yeah. What's the infield bunch? fly rule. Uh, yeah. And at the end they go, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and it's one of the it's one of the most sublime laugh lines in the whole episode, but it works. One that doesn't work for me, yeah. does but doesn't, is when O'Brien doesn't even know where first base is. <laughs> when he's going to be the first base coach, and he goes, where's first base again? Uh, okay, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, Worf thought you could have a runner at home. Yeah, I mean, that's so, right. <laughs> so, I mean, I really can't fault him for that, you know, because yeah. it's it's got to all seem like learning a foreign language to some extent. Yeah, but Worf is just a big, dumb Klingon, man. Dude, he's their secret weapon. Come on. <laughs> 
We will destroy them. <laughs> Find him and kill him. <laughs> well, I'm a little concerned about Worf in this episode. He seems like he's holding back a lot of hostility and aggression. Wants to just start, you know, taking mechleths to people right and left, wow. I'm thinking. I could be wrong. That's all right. So, Dan, uh, last thoughts as we wrap up. Uh, take me out to the Hollow Suite during this World Series week. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a definite see it. I'm going to give a spoiler alert for the next episode that we do of Theater Skip It, or two episodes from now when we do season seven. It is a fun, enjoyable, heartwarming episode that at the end really shows you the relationship that the captain has with his crew and staff. Even though he screws up, he realizes it, he makes it right, and it shows why this cast of the show and this crew of the space station is my favorite. You know, it's it's one of those things where could I picture any other crew from any other series doing something like this? And I really can't. No, not at all. I can't see Kirk playing baseball with his crew in, in any part of that era. Right. I can't see Picard lining up a baseball game with the the crew of the Enterprise D. <laughs> I don't be, see. It might be cricket. <laughs> I don't see Janeway doing it with uh, with her senior staff in, in the Delta Quadrant. Right. I certainly don't see Archer doing it. It'd be more water polo. Yes. So, I mean, if I think about it, this is really the only cast of characters with which this works, and I think it works exceedingly well. Yeah. I think it's just, it's fun. You know, if you're looking for an hour of Star Trek that you can enjoy and not have to worry about high drama or whether or not you know everything about the Dominion War, this episode certainly is at the top of the list as far as nice distractions. Here's one thing I want to point out. I've, I'm sorry I didn't say it earlier. One thing that I did not like about this episode. I'm sorry you didn't say it earlier, too. That time is really gone. All right, sorry. No, go ahead. I don't like you. Um... I don't like what the crew did to Solok at the end of the episode at Quarks. I thought it was beneath them. And I understand why they did it, but they could have taken the upper road. I just I just didn't think it was it was them. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, in the spirit of baseball, what uh what team that wasn't uh essentially uh, mocked and 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 treated the way Solak treated the humans but, isn't going to endure a little trash. But talking. the spirit of baseball by people that don't understand baseball, so they wouldn't understand the spirit of baseball either. No, but they understand their captain. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, and that's they understand true. the rivalry, and they also understand that that Solak isn't being very Vulcan. Yes, and okay. I don't I don't mind them trying to get under his skin a little because he spent the whole time getting under theirs. Well, if there's anything that you know, Bill, it's how to get under people's skin. So I appreciate the comment. Wow. Wow. Uh, I don't know where to take that other than uh, to say, Dan, we are exceedingly lucky to be fortunate enough to have the music of Five Year Mission on every single episode of the Trek Geeks podcast. Without them, this show would not sound anywhere near as good as it does, particularly because we don't have to rely on hearing your voice in addition to mine. And that's uh, that's sleep-inducing. Isn't that right, Adam, the intern? So he agrees. He, oh, I thought he was sleeping. Yeah, I know, right? It's, I thought he was out cold. So maybe you should have woken him up. Like, like, I see what yeah, you did there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we have to thank Five Year Mission. Uh, we are so grateful to them every single week. We want everyone to head out to fiveyearmission.net, download all their albums. Their music is truly fantastic. I mean, you're going to become a big fan, just like Dan has, just like Adam the Sleepy intern has, just like I am. And uh, you're going to want to download all their stuff. So that's fiveyearmission.net. Go get yourself some tunes. And when you go get yourself some tunes, you can remember all the great episodes that I found in the hidden archives, like the one I'm going to talk about today. I can hardly wait. I'm sure you can't. You know, the weapons in this episode were epic just in itself. The Lirpa, the Anvun, and the drumsticks. Three deadly weapons, Bill. They were all used to a battle to the death to win the love 
of one special Vulcan woman. You know, when Ponfark comes a-callin', you better bring your A-game. And they brought their A-game. And the episode, of course, I'm talking about is A Fark Time. It is a TOS classic. I love it. <laughs> Gil Fark. <laughs> it's not what we came to Vulcan for, is it? Three. You, so Three. Let me see if I get this straight. One. You tripled up on the Farkism. Triple play, baby. A triple is very rare in baseball, very rare in Trek games. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, why do you want to kill Fark? I think we need to unpack this a little bit. I didn't write the episode. I found it in the Hidden Archives. So where exactly do these Hidden Archives exist? They're hidden. It's like that room of requirement in Harry Potter. You only get to it when you need it. And we'll talk about that next week on Potter Geeks. No. You're into... Okay. No, sorry. no. Because uh, I'm not really a Harry Potter fan. Okay. Um, uh, I'll explain it to you off air. It, it's in deuterium processing. Yeah, that's where it is. <laughs> um, where the hell were we? Oh, yeah, fiveyearvision.net. Uh, Dan's horrible triple farkism aside, oh, um, please become a big fan. Uh, Dan, as I lost where I was, uh, next week we're going to welcome back a dear friend to talk about a brand new project and uh, I'm excited. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. Dear friend, a great friend. It's certainly going to be a great discussion, Bill. Joining us next week for his unprecedented ninth visit to Trek Geeks will be Vic Mignana to discuss an incredible project that we are honored to play a very small part in. These are the Voyages. Star Trek, the original series audiobook, is coming very soon, and Vic has gathered an amazing amount of talent to lend their voices on this amazing historical look back at the making of the original series. We're sure he's got some awesome and incredible stories from many of the folks who've been involved in this project, and we're going to hear some of those stories next week on Trek Geeks, your independent Star Trek podcast. You know, there's a big microphone in front of you. You oh. want to dial that back mm-hmm. a little bit so you don't deafen people. Red Sox, Star Trek, remember the level? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, Vic has already been on eight times, going to be a ninth. With one more, he gets egg roll. Excellent. Yeah. Do I get egg roll? No, you don't get anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's next week on an all-new Trek Geeks. Can't wait. And uh, looking forward to that audiobook, even though your voice is on it. Uh, Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com. So many great podcasts. They got another podcast coming out. Another one. We found that out this weekend. It was an incredible surprise. Yeah, we met Polly Esther, and she's going to be launching a, a podcast called Sober Treks, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic. Yep. Um, it's all about addiction and recovery uh, vis-a-vis the Star Trek universe. Which be awesome. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. They have so many different and interesting shows on Tricorder. We think everybody should check them out. Guaranteed that you're going to find something that resonates with you. Did you just say check them out? No. I thought you did. That I was did. pretty cool. If it was a mistake, awesome. If it wasn't, awesome. I didn't actually say that. Okay. I might have just misheard you then. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, so, a tangent. I'm looking over at Jeffrey Combs' booth, and somebody put up a Boston Red Sox B on top I know, of it. I don't know if he's going to like that or not. I'm thinking that could have been Hertzler that did that. Hmm. I'll go check it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to JG. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. All right. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our dear friends at treknews.net. Uh, also from Boston. I want to point that I out. I like that. Yeah. Dan, for now, this has been episode 157 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. 
No player shall at any time make contact with the coconut in any manner. The prescribed penalty for the violation is immediate ejection from the game. Rule number 4.06, subsection A, paragraph 4. Look it up, but do it from the stands. You're gone! (laughs) Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong! I just sleep last night. <laughs> I hate your guts. I so the World Series is on. It's Game Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston Red Sox. Oh, oh, so apologies to everybody for the sports ball talk. <laughs> game Four. Boston Red Sox visiting the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're here in Albany, New York, at a Northeast Trek Con, and you are. Is it safe to say you're a rabid Red Sox fan? If I had been bitten with something by rabies five times, yes. Uh, I would like to make that happen. Um, I'm pretty sure you suffer from rabies. You just haven't been diagnosed. Am I foaming at the mouth? <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah. So I'm dead asleep because we're sharing a hotel room as we usually do. And um, in the middle of the night, I hear this. And I was trying to be as quiet as possible. Which, let me tell you, is an utter fallacy. <laughs> Uh, yes, as the Red Sox had take, had uh, been losing four to nothing in the bottom of the sixth inning, they came back to tie it, and then they took the lead, and so that's when I started clapping. So I woke Bill up. I was, I was secretly I was very happy, but that was the first yes time the first time yeah. And then when they blew the game open in the ninth inning, I cheered, thinking that Bill was still awake watching the game with me silently. I didn't bother to look because. I was, you know, concentrating on the television. And evidently, as I found out this morning, he was dead asleep again. Now, your version of cheer and humanity's version of cheer are two wildly different things. Most people would go, yeah, and you did this. Holy that was amazing! And Bill's muting himself a little bit, actually, too. Yeah. You don't want to watch sports with me because I get very, very excited. Very excited. Um, again, <laughs> massive understatement. <laughs> so I've got a lot of bass to my voice today. It's uh, Here we are. It's before the con, Sunday morning, uh, here in Albany. It's been a great convention so far. I, I, it has been, but you, you know, Bill, you are all about that bass. About that bass. No trouble. Just get out. Sorry. Just get out. Yeah, it has been a fantastic con this weekend. Find been, a new ride home. A, what? Yeah. I'm driving. I don't care. Find a new ride home. <laughs> yeah, it has been fantastic. We've met a lot of awesome people. Uh, the people that are putting on Northeast Trek Con are absolutely wonderful. We could not be more excited to be here as our first official quote-unquote vendor here at the con as we're doing our raffle here this weekend to benefit the American Cancer Society, and we're going to probably post the winner to that later on today on social media for those people who were here and entered it. It's been pretty cool, uh, and, and it, it makes me look forward to the next time that we do this together. Hopefully, it won't be during playoff time, buddy. Uh, I can tell you this right now. If it is, 
we're getting two separate rooms. I don't think that's going to matter because I can then I can yell as loud as I want. I'll probably wake you up anyway. I will be in a different hotel because <laughs> uh, uh, that's not happening again. Uh, well. well, all I can say is thank God we're going home tonight. Yes. And if they win tonight, I will probably hear you from my house seven miles away. I would not be uh, at all surprised. I will be stopping at the store after I drop you off or after you leave to get some champagne just in case, as I usually do as tradition with the 13 or 14 championships that Boston has had since 2001. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy. You know what else is pretty cool? A completely different topic, but about Northeast TrekCon. Well, before we get to that thought, what I was going to follow that up with, if they don't win tonight... You're gonna, I can, won't be able to deal with you at work tomorrow. <laughs> what are you talking about if they don't win tonight? What, what Blasphemer. It's a possibility, isn't <laughs> it? It is a possibility, yeah. yes. But yeah. uh, All right, so Northeast Trekcon. Northeast Trekcon. As people know, we had a great contest on, uh, on Twitter uh, before the con, and two wonderful people won passes to the convention. Well, one wonderful person and Adam. True. Yeah. True, that is true. One Kim uh, came by and, and saw us, and, and she was fantastic. Very happy to be here. Great cosplay. It was great to meet her. And then Adam. So anyway, as we get ready to record, <laughs> and we, we, we're doing this and joking because Adam is actually sitting off to our left and, and, and enjoying the conversation here. And uh, we got to say, seriously, we can't be happier to have met him. He's been fantastic. He stopped by ver- uh, several times to say hi because obviously he has nothing better to do. But um, we're really happy. He's he's from New York. He obviously is nothing. He's wearing a Mets sweatshirt right now. Well, I mean, I can't give him crap for that. No, oh no, I don't mean to be because it's not like it's a Giants sweatshirt. Oh, Oh, you're a Giants fan too. Oh, sorry, I'm really sorry. sorry. (laughs) More sports ball talk straight from Trek Geeks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Ken trip over in the distance. Oh, that Ken. <laughs> yeah, that, that wacky Ken trip from Standard Orbit. It's, uh, I got to listen to his podcast someday. <laughs> I, I listen to it quite often, thank you. But uh, you would think you would listen to it because our dear friend Haley Stoddard is also on I, it. I jest. Have you I, listened to I it? I kid. I have, of course. Lately? Uh, probably three weeks ago was the last time I listened okay, to it. Okay, I have to fair. catch it up. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. So was it an episode she was on? Oh, it's all, I'll, always, I'll always listen to Haley. Yeah. I'm glad you're getting your name right this week. Holly, That's Haley, a, what? Holly, <laughs> Haley, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what else is going on? Uh, I'm sorry. Are we recording? <laughs> is this on? <laughs> Hello? Hello? No, it's, uh, it's been a great weekend. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to getting home. Miss the wife. Not going to lie. Miss the puppies. Um, but, and I'm sick of you. So it's a good reason. Three good reasons to get home. Uh, right? I, I have no response to that. You'll be able to sleep tonight. Right? Yes. There you go. I'll call you if they win. How's that? No, my phone will be in do not disturb mode. You won't get me. I'll drive over and knock on the door? Uh, nope. <laughs> All right. Nope. All right. And if they lose, I'm going to come knock on your door and go, sucker! <laughs> so, wow. All right. Any other, anything Star Trek related we want to talk about before we get started? Oh, this is a Star Trek podcast? <laughs> the Red Sox podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Talking Fenway. <laughs> Maybe CBS will buy that name from us, too. There you go. Yeah. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right, jerk. <laughs> 